Got a voice this week. I could talk. Hey, Maureen. Yeah, I listen talk to, to you. you. I know. There's a there there. You just became mm. this sad little shadow frog voice by the end of last episode. Listen Dan, to you, Dan. That moment, we captured the leaving of my voice, and it left for about five days. Wow. Yeah, it was. Go- I was. I was voiceless, and I was communicating largely through. I'm going to say interpretive dance sometimes Um, (laughs) and also writing things on whiteboards. And I was that night trying to watch the news and communicate to my other half my feelings about it. And I couldn't talk. And so the only way I could express that I wanted to say something was by making above my head a little kind of Muppet hand like like a little like a little voice talking and then I would pull it I'm doing it now you can't see it I'm in a closet and then I would move it towards my mouth and then have it come out of my mouth as if to say I had thoughts that I could not I wanted to say and he was like I get it there's things you're thinking and you want to say but you can't and then I would draw like an x over my throat and he's like but you can't talk and then I just keep doing it he's like I get it you want to talk about the news and I couldn't I could only make these little muppet hand things um He's like, well, why don't you write it down? You're a writer. And I was like, well, I can't just write everything down. And so I would just start moving around the room in this kind of like crazy dance. I'm doing it now, like this kind of crazy dance. And Trump would come on. And I would do a little crab dance. And he's like, what are you doing? You're like crab dancing. And I was like crab dancing and making the little Muppet hen. And it would come out of my mouth. He's like, I don't even know what's happening anymore. But I would just so now I've found that it is very relaxing to do a little crab dance. So as frequently now when I watch the news, I'm still crab dancing. It's just something you guys can try if you want. I want to be, let's be, I mean, we have to be positive. I'm feeling, I'm feeling upbeat, Dan. I'm feeling upbeat. Wow. Are you feeling upbeat? No. (laughs) Let's turn that around. (laughs) I am not. (laughs) Wow. You know what I do want though? I want like, I want somebody at Sesame Workshop to now make you a Maureen puppet that you can just like, not just puppet hand, but full on puppet control. Did you hear that, by the way? I just smashed my hand through through the ceiling when I did a puppet hand above my head. <laughs> Dan, when I was on the Joko Cruise, there was a puppeteer and I had like a really emotional hour with her puppet. And I was like, I want a puppet so bad now. And she yeah. was like, I can get you puppet training. And my other half was like, you cannot have a puppet. And I was like, why? He's like, because I don't want, I know you and I don't want to spend the rest of my life talking to a puppet. He's like, you will get yeah. so attached to that puppet that you will communicate exclusively through puppet. And it's not okay. And it upset him so much because he's like, as I know, I'm only going to be talking to the puppet. He's like, I'm going to be sitting there watching the news and, so, and a little puppet's going to come over the back of the sofa and... He's like, I see my future, uh-huh. and my future's full of puppet. No puppet. No puppet. You're the puppet. You're the puppet. I am the puppet. Welcome to Says Who, the podcast that isn't a podcast. It's a puppet strategy. I'm Maureen Johnson. And I'm Dan Sinker, and uh, Maureen, I could definitely use some coping this week. We're going to cope. It's been a crazy few weeks. Personally, outside in the world, all of it. I could definitely use some more coping. Well, that's what we're going to bring. Sesuvians, this is for real. I hope you're ready to get happy. If not happy, I hope you're ready to get not unhappy. And if not unhappy, I hope you're ready to get more comfortable with not being happy. I keep lowering the bar, but that is okay. It's okay. It's all okay. I'm I'm so excited who we're going to be talking to today. I'm so psyched. We're going to be talking to Johnny Sun, the creator of Everyone's an alien if you're an alien too. I, a, a title I probably just messed up, but that's the title I keep in my head. Um, and you probably know Johnny from Twitter and his little alien. I love him so much. So we're going to talk about positivity and coping and creating and making and understanding. 
But it, like not in a saccharine way. We're going to do it in like a for real way. It's going to be good. You're going to like it. Then you're going to love it. I'm doing a crab dance. Crab dance. I am. I'm in my closet. I'm crab dancing. And I'm crab dancing at 12.19 p.m. on the day that the Senate is going to have. I'm crab dancing now. Saying this. Crab dancing. They're doing the healthcare vote today, Dan. Crab dance. Crab, crab, they are. They're crab. doing a weird healthcare vote today. Like yeah, that's the weirdest weird. part about this healthcare vote. And yeah, we are re- we are recording this before this weird healthcare vote. They're not voting on legislation today. They're voting on the ability to discuss legislation. Yeah, it's weird. But nobody knows what the legislation is. You may because you're listening to this. You're already going to be way smarter than us because you're going to know how today turned out. How do you feel? Like, how future people, how do you feel about what happened on Tuesday? We don't know because we don't, we're not, we're not future people yet. No, we're wonderful? past people. We're past we're people. We're living in the past, Maureen. Yeah, man. We got, we've got gaslighting. My horse is hitched outside. I'm wearing a hoop skirt. Cool. Yeah. This is awesome. This is living pretty. in the past. I'm really liking it. Kind of Game of Thronesy past, or I was thinking more like uh, Victorian England past, but I can uh, go with whatever. I it's mean, all I games think... of Game of Thronesy at the end of the day. Uh, uh, is, uh, I don't know, crab dance. It's been um, so the last two weeks, man. They've been a something. lot of life stuff. They've been, we've both been doing a lot of life stuff. It's true, and the news. You know what? Here's the thing about the news. It doesn't, life is not a coherent story. And we make the story afterwards. So the things that have been happening are just so random. Yeah, <laughs> like they're happening right. because of things, but it's, it's felt like a random collection of strange events. Um, and they are, have been, they've been marvels to look at they are i mean we've lost we've lost sean spicer this was a this was a thing uh a few a few episodes ago you you mailed me predictions and Mm -hmm. uh i think you were off by about a month but still spicer's out and out kind of uh with with a whimper not a bang he was out with a little bit of a bang because when people went to ask him questions about it, he slammed the door in the reporter's face. He was angry. He was. He was That's angry. true. But he, he's he's privately angry. Did you notice that his Twitter bio has, does not mention the White House at all now? <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, it's like he updated his relationship status in Facebook. But um, yeah, he's out and replaced amazingly. By someone directly out of, like, the Sopranos extra line who goes by the Mooch. <laughs> how did we, Wayne, how did we get to the point where the director of communications for, you know, what, what at one point was referred to as the, you know, the leader of the free world goes by the Mooch? I'm on board. I'm emotionally ready for the mooch. And the mooch, um the mooch is sort of as loosey goosey as um our our dear leader. He's uh he's quite the fellow, isn't he? He's um you get I mean Sean Spicer, you, you got the idea, would say anything but with the burning, unhappy internal realization that what he was saying was nonsense, but was trying to, you know. That kind of, he was like a little internal combustion engine. The mooch is like just out there like, I, I'm i the mooch. I'll say whatever. I'm, I just want to be a made man. I just want to, hey, I just want to hang out. I just want to, the mooch wants to hang out. The mooch. He, there was a picture of him. Uh, there was some footage of Sarah Huckabee Sanders talking on what I guess was Air Force One, but a plane. And she was talking in the, in the forefront and in the kind of hallway in the back, just like right behind her, the mooch. I'm doing it. You can't see it because I'm doing it in my closet, but he's got one arm up on one side and one arm on the other. And it's like he's been 
directed in a high school play to act casual. And he's kind of like, and he's got the one arm kind of way up and he's kind of leaning in and it's the least casual looking thing that's ever happened. And I was there for it. I was like, the mooch is like, hey, just look cool. Just look like, hey, I'm the mooch. Uh, I'm going to delete all my old tweets because uh, I said that I thought the president was nuts. And now I'm uh, I'm, gonna, I'm the mooch. Mooch is going to, the mooch is going to delete it. The president. One of the first things he said was that the president was a great athlete. Uh. I was like. That is one of my f- most favorite quotes. Mm-hmm. Like, he's an incredible athlete. He can throw a perfect spiral football through a tire. He can shoot free throws from the, you know, and it's just like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> we have entered, we have entered a new realm. We're in the mooch zone, with yeah. the mooch. Yeah, they're like, the president, he's super hot. Um, People, I mean, people are always like, he's so good looking. And, uh. He's a great golfer, and he's fun, and he's super smart, and he, like, reads, like, a book uh, every five minutes, and uh, he got, like, a good score on his SATs, and, uh, yeah, I am ready. The Mooch is, like, the Mooch is, like, a background character from Greece who's just kind of leaning in all the time, so. um, You know, I'm excited, though. Once somebody invents a time machine... And first uses it to get us out of this fucking timeline. A second, I'm excited for them to go back to like 1984, 85, get a job in Hollywood and pitch a pitch a 80s sitcom called Spicy and the Mooch. Oh, do you think it's um, is it like Miami Vice at all or is it? I think it's more of a my two dads situation. Okay. Right? Like Spicy and the Mooch are like old college roommates and uh, through, you know, sort of hilarity uh, end up with a with a long lost daughter that they have to raise together. Mm -hmm. But they're a little odd couple-y, maybe. Like the Mooch is more loose. The Mooch is loose. Oh, the Mooch is super loose. It's like an odd couple thing. Yeah, the mooch is super loose. Spicy's super uptight. The mooch is always like, hey, calm down, man. You know, like, and uh, Spicy's trying to get him to, you know, accept the fact that he needs to grow up a little bit. Now, listen, mooch. He talks like that, I think. Now, oh, listen, definitely. mooch, you can. Yeah, let's let me try a little bit of this out now. Do you want to be the mooch or you want to be Spicer? Uh, you be you be spicy. I'll All be right. the mooch. Now listen, we have a very we, the president has a serious message. He's the president has made his opinions clear on this matter. We got to get that across, Mooch. Hey, chill out, you stuffed shirt. Come no, on I, over here. No, I I can't chill out. I have a this hey. is an God, it's an important job. I got to hey. talk to the pool party. No, it's not a pool party. It's no time for a pool party. Spicy does not go to pool parties. I've got a serious job. I've got a suit. I'm angry. I got to talk to the press. Mooch, come on. We got to we got to get to work. I think that's pretty good. And then they're just the but the entire show they have completely ignored their long lost daughter. Oh yeah. Every she, every episode ends with sort of a shot of her finding cheese and the like feeding herself. Do you want do you want to hear a story? Yes. Yes, one, I do, Maureen. One time, I waited out for tickets to a concert when I was in college. A, t- a concert that, uh, well, I went with my friend, and we stayed out all night, sleeping in front of a Blockbuster video, which is where they were going to sell the tickets the next day. Yeah. You guys, this is what it used to be like. You had to, like, sleep out in front of a Blockbuster video to get tickets. I did this all the time in high school. Well, you were cool. Like, I only ever did this once. And... There were two scalpers sleeping in front of us, and one of them befriended one of the people I was with, and they had with them a large block of government cheese. You know, like the yeah government cheese comes in a very particular brick form. I believe it also a, doesn't exist anymore. This is an the, this is an entire story of the the land before time. Yeah. I, then I how do we explain government cheese? It was a an official kind of. Government you food. To, you, yeah, you used to be able to kind of, in addition to food stamps, uh, you could get kind of government issued food. And yeah, government cheese was an enormous block of essentially American cheese. 
Yeah, it was, and it was called government cheese because it was literally yeah. the the only cheese that they gave out was this particular block of like cheese food product, and it was just known as government cheese because that's what it was. And um, they had a big block of government cheese, and they kept cutting pieces off of it with a penknife and saying to my friend, "Here, take this cheese." And he didn't want to upset them because they were kind of flicking around this knife a lot. And they really seemed to like, we like you, this cheese. And so he kept taking the cheese and shoving it into a crack in the wall. What? And um, to get to pretend like he was eating it. Like, so he would like shove it in between the bricks. <laughs> okay. So I don't know. You just, um, that's when you just said, you know, the president's daughters, you know, or the, the girl, the long lost child is eating all the cheese. You know, I just imagined her with this big brick of government cheese that I was like, yeah, you know, you cut off pieces of government cheese and you shove it into a wall. And I realized that people didn't maybe understand my context. <laughs> I'm realizing a lot that people don't understand my particular context when I talk about things like school buses or school or like shoving cheese in a wall and. <laughs> You know, what I'm uh, simpler times, Maureen. Yeah, simpler and times. That con- when we used that- to shove cheese in walls. Into- that concert didn't even sell out. You did all that for nothing. Yeah, we spent all night outside of a blockbuster video, accepting weird, dirty pieces of government cheese and shoving it into a wall for nothing. Man, what was the what was the concert? Marcy. <laughs> said with such res- resignation. <laughs> Look, don't laugh at me. I love this miss. Don't. Just... I, I was I... minding my business, lifting some lead off the roof of the holy name church. Was that pretty good, Marcy? That was that. That, that was a very puppety Morrissey, Maureen. Hey, you should get oh. a puppet, Morrissey. <gasps> that should be your puppet. <gasps> and then everything you say to Oscar, you could. Sing. Hey, have you seen the merch? The merch is loose. Ah. Is that good? Do you was, think that, that grow was... old? Would that grow old? Oh no, not at all. Mm. No, I think it would. I I think it would be one of those like, oh, the heart only grows fonder. Mm. Also, Dan, when I lost my voice, as it went, it went higher, and I have a really high voice. As it turns out, like when I sing, I'm a I'm a super high soprano. Like, I could make, um, you know, kind of seagull's head explode. And <laughs> as my vocal cords became more and more inflamed, I got higher and higher. And then in the end, I could only talk like this. And he was like, ha, ha, ha. And I was like, no, shut up. You shut up. Fuck you. And then that was the only noise wow. I was making. Yeah. Uh, the mooch wasn't the only one to come lomping their way into our lives this week, though, Maureen. Oh, no. I believe you have a new personal favorite in the rogues gallery that is uh, that is the Trump administration. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So the president's lawyer, the unlikely named, I don't know if you can hear my dog barking in the background. Whenever I do that high voice, it upsets her and she can hear it. So I should have known better. She's barking now. So he, um, he's got this lawyer named Ty Cobb. Naturally. Uh, Naturally. Did Ty Cobb resign? Was he the guy that resigned? No, Ty Cobb did not resign. Uh, Other lawyers of the presidents have resigned, and I believe Ty Cobb kind of stepped up to the plate, if you will. Now, Ty Cobb looks like Wilfred Brimley from the oatmeal commercials, and he's got a, oh my goodness, quite a mustache. It's like a big walrus. He's like a mix between Wilfred Brimley and the Monopoly guy. Yeah, big mustache with curls on the end. And he, um, his quote, when asked about, you know, why, you know, taking the job for the president, he said, quote, if the president asks you, you don't say no. I have rocks in my head and steel balls. I'm in love. Wow. I'm in love. The president's lawyer, it's like, I got rocks in my head. What do you think he was trying to say? Mm. The steel balls part I get. Mm. But where are you coming from? Like what? What was the original intent of "I have rocks in my head"? It's a perfect Dan. Don't take it apart. Don't don't pick it apart. Take it as it is. Is a beautiful. It's a geo, Dan. It's a 
it's a diamond. It's pure perfection that's been handed to us lovingly from from a creator who loves us, given us a handlebar, walrus mustached guy who says he's got rocks in his head. You know, there's there's a lot in the last you know number of months that lends a lot of credence to the idea that we don't exist in reality, but that we exist in a simulation on a computer that is slowly kind of shutting down. And so it's mm-hmm. looping back on top of itself. And definitely the introduction of a, of like a guy who looks like he should be riding a penny farthing, right? <laughs> but, but goes by the name of Ty Cobb. Uh, really feels like we've kind of really hit a loop period that's, that's real heavy. Um, well, oh, Maureen, wait. Yeah. What? The introduction of Ty Cobb. We need a says who ruling mm? on the Cobb salad. Oh, shit. All right. Now, Cobb salad. I'm actually going to look up because I feel like I know what's in a Cobb salad, but. All right. Yes. I think 90% of the Cobb salad is not stuff you eat. Oh, it's it's for sure not. Okay. Cobb salad is main dish, American garden salad, uh, chopped salad greens, tomato, bacon, uh, boiled, grilled, or roasted, but not fried chicken breast, hard-boiled eggs, avocado, chives, roquefort cheese, and red wine vinaigrette. Uh, in all of these pictures I'm looking at, it's pleasingly arranged into stripes. Yeah, I'm seeing that, too. I've never seen a striped Cobb salad in my life. Uh, no. But uh, apparently the internet's really wanting people to stripe their Cobb salad. It is a salad. I think it's an honorable... I don't like the a lot of the ingredients. I hate eggs I, and I don't eat meat. I mean, I, my, I like all those other things. And I think that it could honorably be served as a salad because um, my one of my objections to the wedge salad is that it's a large, pretentious, giant wedge of a thing that you it's just hard to get into it's just a pile this is you know uh arranged for consumption in a pleasing and um in a pleasing manner uh in a in a well-proportioned uh situation so i'm i'm going for a cob salad is a salad all right yeah you heard it here first folks yeah cob salad says who approved dan um my goodness, my my goodness! I mean, we can't even really touch on all of the many treasures of this week. I mean, we had a wonderful interview with the New York Times. Oh boy! Can I can I read you a little bit of this interview, Dan? Please. It's a little bit. Now, the president did a wonderful interview with the New York Times, and one of the things he said in it, and this is not what I'm about to read, was that he believes that you start your job and health insurance costs twelve dollars a year. So, yeah, in, yes, that's um, but they so this is part of his quote, and this is where he's talking to the interviewer's last name is Haberman. And he, now this is Trump talking about uh, the president of France. He called me and said, I'd love to have you there and honor you in France having to do with Bastille Day. Plus, it's the hundredth year of the first world, the hundredth year of the first world war. That's big. I said, yes. I mean, I have a great relationship with him. He's a great guy. Haberman, he was very deferential to you. Very. Trump, he's a great guy. Smart. Strong. Loves holding my hand. Haberman, I've noticed. Trump, people don't realize he loves holding my hand. And that's good as far as that goes. Now, hmm. Hmm. As hmm. I, when I read that, I mean, mm-hmm. first, there was definitely that moment where you kind of check to figure out if you're hallucinating or not. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But right after, it was like, wait, as far as what goes? Mm-hmm. 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 My goodness. It is just, uh, those are words. It's the thing that's amazing to me about that quote, and especially if you if you add it to the context of the fact that also in the last two weeks, it was revealed that Trump had an additional meeting with Putin during the, um, during the G20. Um, it is so easy to play that motherfucker. <laughs> Just like when she's like, he was very deferential to you. It's like, 
Yes. Yeah. I wonder why he was, you know, like it, that interview also is amazing because they're it, apparently the, the context of that interview was they were not expecting that they were getting an on the record interview. And then it kind of turned into an on the record interview as they went. So they actually were recording it in a really shitty way. So like every few words in that interview is like garbled, right? Like uh, we don't know what he's saying here, blah, 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 except when he talks about the Bastille Day Parade, it's like he was as articulate and as clear talking in minute detail about how wonderful the parade was. And it's like- He loved that parade. He loved that parade. Like, mm-hmm. and it's just like, God damn it. Like, you know that 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 Macron or however you pronounce his last name, uh, afterwards like fielded phone calls from every member of the EU being like, you got him, you did it, nice work, you know, like- all you got to do is compliment that dude and he'll do whatever the fuck. <laughs> yeah. No, he but like the it. Putin one, the Putin, the Putin thing. I have to just mention because uh, Trump has now kind of gone back on record saying that he doesn't believe that Russia hacked the election in any way or influenced the election in any way. Mm-hmm. And he knows mm-hmm. that because mm-hmm. when he and Putin met, he asked him twice. Mm hmm. And he said no both times. And then it was revealed a little bit later, much more recently, that not only did he say no, but that Putin said, listen, this is how you know we didn't hack you. Because you know that you were hacked. And if we had hacked you, you wouldn't know. And like Mm -hmm. that was this like double negative kung fu thing that for Trump, it was like, whoa, you're right. And you said you didn't. And we know we were hacked. So you didn't because you would have to say that we did. You did if I asked you. And that would be the only way we'd know. <sighs> We're not dealing with smart people, Maureen. I feel we like are, I we are not. I'm sorry, but Ty Cobb and the Mooch. <laughs> I love this new cast so much. I um, I love it so much. But they're they're getting dumber. Mm. Like the. And I'm here for the it. Ca- the casting call is for stupider and stupider people. I am here for it. Dan, I'm here for it. I mean, yeah. we got to be. We got to be here for something. And I am here for it. I mean, we Kushner, now, again, he's not a bright boy. No. He's, he's also not a boy, though he certainly looks like a, like a seven-year-old who peed his pants in church. Wait, did Don, did Don Jr. happen... Last week, or I believe, I believe so. The beauty is, the beauty is, Maureen. So much has happened that I'm like, I don't remember what Don Junior means. Oh yeah, Don Junior was... with the you know Allah. If I share all the emails that say, oh I'm... Jesus, right? That was unfolding like as we recorded last time. Mm-hmm. If I show God. them the emails, oh. then then if I if then I then they can't get the jump on me. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Maureen, mm-hmm. it's just like the thing that is just so frustrating is how dumb all of these people are. And yet here we are. Here we are. And that's that's OK. I think that our, our theme for this, you know, what we're going to talk about, I think what we should talk about with Johnny is how to just look at what's happening and kind of process. Like the, the thing is that these things are happening and, you know, how we approach them. The, you know, how we, how positivity and how we can, how we can approach these events and keep ourselves afloat, how we can make things, how we, let's just talk to Johnny. I think we need, I think we I'm need to, to bring it up. Let's do it. So we have with us today. Very, very excited. We have Jonathan Sun. I never think of you as Jonathan Sun. You're Johnny or Jomney. I definitely go by Johnny almost everywhere. Well, this is this is Johnny Sun. Um, and Johnny Johnny Sun uh, is the author of Everyone's an Alien When You're an Alien Too, which we will talk about. It is an amazing book, which you should buy nine copies of. Um, which began on Twitter, and and when he's not tweeting. He is, this is a lot of stuff. You're an architect, designer, engineer. You can engineer. skip all of it. 
artist. No, 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 no. We're not skipping anything. Architect, designer, engineer, artist, playwright, and comedy writer. He is currently a doctoral student at MIT, a fellow at the Berkman Klein Center for Internet and Society at Harvard, and a creative research researcher at the Harvard Meta Lab, where he studies social media and online community. And there's even more. It like goes on. But I feel like that is um, that's pretty good. Like that's some good stuff. Oh, thank you. So, I like I hide yeah. whenever anyone reads that out loud. Oh, I'm t- now I'm gonna now I'm gonna read it all. Oh god! If I had that no. many credentials, I, I would have them printed on a T-shirt, and I would wear that T-shirt all the time and say, "Look at me." <laughs> That's a good so, idea. So, I I reread this book this morning. Uh, what's great? It's a it. You can read it. You can read it quickly, but it bears rereading. It's sort of something you can just return to or just sit and think about a single page. And it's a a book of drawings and a story about a little alien that comes down to Earth. He's sent down to Earth to observe it. And this little alien, he befriends or they befriend everyone they meet. And they accept everything at face value and listen to the variety of questions and concerns that all the creatures have. Like from the owl that doesn't think he's wise enough to the little hedgehog who wants to make art but thinks they suck. Or the egg that starts off excited because it doesn't know what it's going to become and then it ends up freaking out because it doesn't know what it's going to become. And the little alien even befriends nothingness itself because nothingness is even misunderstood. So I feel like if there's any book we should be reading right now, maybe it's this one. Because right now it's really hard to understand what's going on and have compassion for the things we don't understand because of the fear that those things are going to destroy us. Or even sometimes just because of the seeming stupidity of it all and how it that just makes us furious. So um, my question, first question to you is how do you cope with what's going on? Do you feel as understanding as, as the little alien? Um, I try to. I, I like I, I I'm I. Right now, I'm trying to cope by, like, uh, I'm trying to read, like, all the angles for the most part. And I'm also trying to, um, I think there's a difference between, like, un- understanding and agreeing. And I think, like, I-, I think I'm trying to understand where, like, all the horrible people are coming from. But also be, like, that is still wrong and bad and immoral and evil, if that makes sense. Um, I, I, so that, I think that's like, that's my primary mode right now is just, I'm like confused as hell as everyone else is. And, um, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to like take in as much as possible and, and kind of like get, I, I still feel like I'm lost in this sea of news and every, every day there's like 20 new things and it's just hard to keep up. And, um, and, uh. So because of that, I think I, I'm just trying to I'm just trying to get a hold of everything and 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 uh, see what's what's going on and and what like what the big points are and what we should kind of be focusing on and um, the things that exist that are just distractions and that are kind of these super, superfluous um, smaller things that get a lot of attention that um, maybe shouldn't be getting that attention and that attention should be aimed elsewhere. What you're describing, you know, the kind of trying to keep up and feeling like you can't keep up and trying to understand while also being like, y'all are awful. Um, Mm -hmm. Like, I have that same feeling. Uh, Mm -hmm. But like, that has led to like me just on the verge of like stockpiling food and guns. And like, you've, you've managed to instead turn that into creating something hyper positive and like how do you how do you channel that in that way i think it's almost like um like it's almost like a willful type of like wishful thinking or like a willful fantasy um when i was like working on the book for sure that was like through the election cycle and through the actual election and it was i i think i worked on i was working on the book from february 2016 um to just a few months ago to like March, April of 2017. So that it really was kind of my, like doing the book was kind of my coping mechanism for, um, for everything else going on in the world. And I found that it was um, just really helpful for me to have something that I um, just have like a project that I had 
control over and that I kind of knew what I was doing and that I was able to sink all the kind of like positive energy into um, because I, I think like one of my issues too is that it's difficult to be positive meaningfully in in like our in this like news cycle and in this political cycle I don't really I like I'm still trying to figure that out and um and I'm trying to figure out how to how to put stuff into the world that is maybe a bit positive or optimistic um, without it just coming off as superfluous or like temporary or um, or or meaningless. And um, so, like with the with the book, I found that that became my place to be kind of like be willfully positive and construct this kind of um, almost like positive fantasy story that I could jump into. And the book isn't even like that, like overwhelmingly positive either. I think there's a lot of darkness in it. Um, oh, there is. Yeah, but that's okay. And that's one of the messages is that honestly, I cannot really recommend this book. It's like a nice little brick of therapy that you can carry around, and um, that it, you can use that. You know, it's like a little therapy brick. You can read it and be positive, and if you really get pissed off at someone, you could throw it and hit them in the head. Maybe don't add that last part, but, you know. Um, <laughs> well, it is a hardcover. That's, that's, why, that's why it's a hardcover. Yeah. It's, I mean, he even, you know, the little alien, they talk about hard stuff, you know, in, in a way that's not overly simple. Like, you know, when the otter comes along and he talks about the art of creation and how you need constraints, like, or, but then, you know, the little alien befriends nothingness. And the ghost made of nothing like it's you can go up and down with it. And then it eventually reaches the point where the snail says, you know, no, this is all terrible and we're all going to die. But I got this bouncy, bouncy castle. So are you going to take off your shoes or what? And they get in the bouncy castle. It's so beautiful, Johnny. It's so beautiful. Well, I think that last bit is kind of um, what I came to. Um, and I think that's the, doing the book helped me try uh, like try like realize, I think, my um, approach to just to, to like the world right now and especially to like the relationship of um, like of optimism and positivity in our like crazy hellfire shit show that we we are living in in right now and I think like um, for me it's about kind of accepting a lot of positivity I think um, is uh, gets like a lot of flack and I think rightfully so for kind of ignoring what's going on and saying, I'm going to push all this stuff away and I'm, I'm just going to be positive and like willfully um, ignorant of everything else that's going on. But I think, um, I think like true optimism or maybe some a more helpful positivity is to kind of accept and really understand and take stock of, um, of everything out there and find ways to kind of because of that. Um, and as a very like active act, um, try to try to be a little bit um, positive or find moments of um, peace or reprieve in in that like crazy hellfire and it's a book about friendship really I, it's a it's about friendship and this little alien coming and just he first learns that there are friends and he's like friends that's great I'm gonna make friends and then he just makes friends with everything. <laughs> Which is not a bad way of going about things. And that is the main, I feel like that what is what I carried away is like, it's like, oh, it's, this is a book about friendship that isn't saccharine, that makes, doesn't, it's not one of those wall plaques that you buy at the shore. Right. You know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Having just, I just, very, I just went away with my rate. mother. <laughs> there you go. I just went away with my mother and we went to, North Carolina for this kind of amazing trip to meet long lost relatives, but we got stuck with nothing to do. And we ended up going to the store that was like 90 rooms of those wall plaques. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, I started to write angry wall plaques in my mind, like God made this wall plaque to give me something to burn. You know, I was just like, just thinking of all these like kind of evil wall plaques that I wanted to sell <laughs> in my evil wall plaque store. So you managed to be the opposite, like, and no offense, if you like those wall plaques, that's fine. Like, that is a perfectly legitimate thing to like, because you know what? That's all good. I just, I was a little overloaded on them. So um, 
but it it's um and you know we made Dan and I made this podcast as two people who just wanted to sit down because we started during the election not knowing how this was all going to go just trying to talk and understand as normal people like two rubes talking and every week we talk to a different political journalist or someone that did models of the elections and things and they would tell us what was going on and then it turned into two people that were going into meltdown <laughs> and, and, and it's still there i would say dan oh yeah um, it's still, still oh yeah i just like and... went i went through dan's um like recent twitter like his tw- <laughs> your twitter feed dan just this morning and i was like oh yeah it, yeah this is we're still in free fall mode oh, we're yeah. still yeah. I should, well, we're recording this on the mo- on the morning. It hasn't happened yet because it is right now. It's eleven thirty Eastern time. There's going to be a vote on whether uh, in the Senate today about whether or not to proceed with the with the health care um, with the repeal of health care. It's pretty it's pretty rough, and there's a lot of heating up stuff about the Russia investigation, and some subpoenas have been issued, and Jeff Sessions may get fired, which is. You would think to be a wonderful thing, but also maybe like it's all kicking off. And um, so it's good to hang out with positive people. Well, I mean, like in the face of all that stuff, it's it's also really hard to, to kind of be like, oh, yeah, things are fine. Um, there's like I that's like I mean, that's like the the, the biggest kind of um I almost feel hypocritical in a way because I get so upset and um, depressed by the news and overwhelmed. And um, like part of, I think, the thing I need to work on is when that stuff happens, not to kind of like to shield away from it and and hide, but um, but but to to get more involved and to get more into um, into it and and to just to jump into it more because right now I like lately, like admittedly I've kind of, um, I, I think I needed to take like a, a step away from, from the news for like my own mental health and um, for my own like kind of mental well being. But that I, I like the, the weird tension there is I also know that's, I also feel like that's a selfish thing and there's always that balance of, of like, well, where, where does, um, like staying informed and um, and even more so like being able to do something about what's going on. Where do you stand on that versus kind of like the the self-care, mental health, um, do what's good for you personally side. And I'm, I'm wondering like for both of you what, what that stance looks like for you because I'm still trying to figure that out and it's cool to talk to um, like again normal people who are also trying to cope with everything going on. Uh, not well, (laughs) I would say. Um, yeah, I, uh, I think that, you know, for me, it is, you know, sort of like standing in front of the blast furnace and just being like, I'll keep inching closer. Um, you know, there's, uh, you know, I mean, it's something we've certainly said a lot in this podcast is like the floor of misery is so high right now, you know, that you've got, Mm -hmm. you know, the, the level of kind of ambient stress and tension that comes from being a person that is connected to the internet and paying some level of attention right now is just unbelievable. So anything that, anything that comes on top of that is just like, Oh, hello, Jenga tower, go topple over, you know? Um, (laughs) And it's yeah. I mean, personally, I've I find it very hard. It has been a very hard summer for me, um, which is I mean, when you know Maureen kind of said, "Hey, let's talk to Johnny." He's super positive. I was like, "Hey, that sounds great." <laughs> great. So like right before this, when I brought everyone down, exactly. Like <laughs> yeah. I mean, one thing that I'm curious about is you know the work that you've done in this, uh, but also mm. work that you're doing um, at Berkman or things like that, like you you've managed to kind of create a work of of positive but not saccharinely positive uh writing building out of writing that you were doing on twitter which is like currently just a sadness machine right so like yeah. 
Mm -hmm. I'm I'm curious about your relationship with Twitter and the internet and everything like that as, you know, it provides both an outlet for your work, but also sort of an input for the things you have to fight against with your work. Yeah, totally. I mean, like, I'm, I'm so grateful for Twitter just as, like, a writing um, environment, I think, because it's... Uh, it is it is kind of like the the fire hose or the like giant furnace burner um like the direct kind of feed that you plug into to get like a pulse of um what everyone is worried about and terrified about and screaming about um at any given moment and i think that's so uh helpful i mean just as a person to stay informed and um and like like you were saying, like almost by default, if you're on Twitter, you're a bit more. I think you have a bit more perspective, or you're a bit more informed on certain topics than um, if you spend the day not on Twitter. Like it, it just kind of it's almost by osmosis, um, and kind of seeing everything uh, that you just know what's going on. And I really love that, and I um, I really appreciate that side of it. And um, I think in terms of like trying to figure out where I stand. Um, and like, I've, I've, well, while I was doing the book, I was trying to figure out like my position and maybe my role in all of that. And um, I think I realized at some point that I like have friends and I know people who are much more um, well-versed in politics and much more articulate at, um, at, at shouting at people and, um, and like taking down the hypocrisy and, and kind of, um, going after the uh, administration and stuff. And I felt like maybe that wasn't what my personal role could be on Twitter. And so I was thinking about like, what can I provide that's, or what can I, how can I write? And what do I, how do I want to express myself in a way that, um, that feels true to me, but also that um, makes sense for like the current climate and, and the current context. And so that's kind of where I ended up. Um, thinking about how how I can be a different type of, um, I guess, uh, tentpole in, in this, um, in everything that's going on, and um, how I can, I think, provide, like, a different type of, like, coping. Because um, there is, like, there's political coping, and there's um, kind of, like, resistance, um, action, coping, and then I think there's also, like, a, a more emotional kind of personal... Um, mental health coping. And I think that was the area that I felt um, like I felt most tapped into personally. And so I thought that was a good, a good space to, to work in. And so on, so on Twitter, that's kind of how I see my role. And then the other thing is I do have a platform that I can boost um, all those other parts. And so I, it's kind of cool. Cause I get to, I feel like I get to help with um, all the aspects because I can write my own work, but then I can also um, retweet and share. And I think like that function of social media is something that um, that doesn't get talked about a lot. But just the fact that um, that everyone has these platforms and they can share all these different um, viewpoints and, and perspectives and things that are different uh, from their own, or that um, that that person might not uh, feel like they're the best person to say that stuff, and so instead of just like not saying it, you can say, well, here are all, what all my friends are saying, or here's like a better, um, more informed viewpoint that I can share with you all, which I think is really cool. Um, and then like on the Berkman side, I, I think I got really interested in the relationship between uh, humor and specifically online humor and, um, and politics and political activism and, um, and resistance and kind of this election cycles relationship to like online humor and memes and how meme, like the meme war stuff. And um, also like even now how memes and like online humor are shaping discourse and uh, either are like reflective of, um, of current opinions or are maybe sometimes prescriptive of certain things. Cause I think um, humor has a way of, of being like, well, if I saw this funny thing, maybe I'm more inclined to agree with like the underlying stance of it. Um, and it's all, it's kind of like a Trojan horse approach, um, to political discourse. Cause if you, if you can start with, um, with like a, a laugh, then you can kind of infiltrate, um, with, with the underlying viewpoint. And that, that happens both good 
and bad, right? There, there are so many different nuances to that. But um, I thought that was something worth exploring and talking about. And um, over at Berkman at Harvard, we uh, did we had like a working group that kind of talked about this and did roundups um, every few weeks of like what was going on in the news and also how um, like the internet and the comedy side of the internet kind of reacted, um, as well as having this humor series at the Media Lab, um, which I co-created and hosted. And that was in bringing in like a bunch of different figures um, from online comedy, like online comedians and uh, people like that with more significant followings that had, that I thought had kind of like a role in the political discourse, um, whether it was super, uh, super explicit or um, super subtle. But um, that, was, that was kind of like what I got into uh, this year on the academic side and it was it was all really interesting and I still have no idea what I'm doing I I don't know I think you're doing I can can I can I praise you both do you both want to be complimented um don't say no um you're both nervous you're like what is she gonna say (laughs) um you can praise Dan I want to I want to hear praise for Dan I I don't need any praise I'm the co-host of this (laughs) podcast (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, both of you are makers. So the way I met Dan was that he created a Twitter account called Mare Emanuel, which was an alternate reality of Rahm Emanuel, who led this like incredibly insane life with uh, a duck and a dog. And they lived in a Civic and at while they lived in a crawl space. And I was so obsessed with Mare Emanuel. Mare Emanuel was everything to me. Mare Emanuel was 100% real. And I was like, I tweeted at the mayor and he responded and I was like, oh, like it was like, honestly, it was like the Beatles had just responded to me. I was like, nothing was more real to me than Mayor Emanuel, because that was how I felt about like that was like, that's real. Like, that's what reality is to me. And you've created an alien who tries to understand the world. Both of you have created like you're both makers. Both of you are makers. Like leave Dan alone for five minutes and he started an organization like And Johnny, you're the same way. You're both makers. And in the book, you talk about being maker. Like you discuss like the little hedgehog who wants to be a maker. And then there's the beaver that's always obsessed with building a dam. And my favorite panel is the one where he's got all the sticks and then he's sitting there trying to read Ikea instructions to build his dam. And um, then he he doesn't, you know, he's like, well, I don't know what I did with it. So, um. You know, I'll just make move on to the next one. And just as a sort of last question, like, what do you think the role of like just making stuff is in this? Because, you know, Donald Trump himself is just a Twitter creation. Like he's um, like he's created. Uh, yeah, he's like, created his own like his own identity and his own like weird brand that that people. And speech patterns. Sad, yeah. You know, like. Yeah, exactly. So. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I like, I'm always, I think as like a maker and Maureen, you're also a maker. Um, and yeah, like a seriously. creative person who I think you, your credentials of like, of making, um, outweigh the both of us <laughs> yeah, by like, by like exponentially. So. 13 to one, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it, it's cool to get to like, to get to talk to the, I guess we're like, we're three, um, maker type people. And I, I, I really believe that, um, the making is the is the thing that's um, gonna get us out of all of this. I think the like you gotta make. I I don't even I don't even know how to like how to argue against that. I think um, making's like the way of of taking like any sort of idea or position and like concretizing it and um, and making a thing that allows other people to see it and that um, kind of creates a discussion and a discourse. And that's how you add to like the, um, the social consciousness and the con- conversation in the world. And um, I think that's, t- to me, that's like my way of, um, of speaking on a broad scale. And I don't know how you do that without making. Well, there's a beautiful, well, you have a beautiful sentiment in the book about it, which I'm going to paraphrase wrong because it's, I sit in a dark closet when I record this. I literally sit in a closet and I'm surrounded by soundproofing tiles, two of which fell on my head while I've been talking to you. But the little, uh, is it the snail who says, um, 
you know, we're all a success, but like it's all a question of the size of our audience. Is that, am I right? Is it the snail? Yes, it is the snail. The snail. The snail, who, who by the way, ha- is in danger. Oh, there's so many good things in here, Johnny. The snail, because one of the creatures is afraid of looking out. The, the turtle is always trying to camouflage himself. It's not to be seen. And the snail says, it's dangerous if I'm not seen. So I approach all my problems by looking at them head on. And that's how he remains safe. Johnny, just it's so good. And I think if if people need to be uplifted or you just need something to kind of encourage you to make or do, like, just read this book. Honestly, it will make you, um, I think it will pick you up. And I'm telling you this as someone who is like, Staring down this stupid healthcare day and all this garbage that's happening today. And I started the day by rereading the book and I'm like, I am in a better position to handle this day. So that's a, that's, there you go. That's the You're best. Great. That's that. Thank you. That, I mean, that's the best, that's the best like uh, response and kind of the best thing someone has said about it. Cause I think like, I, I think you can be both, right? Like I think you can, you can uh, be internal and introspective and positive in that way, and also um, and also be very politically like inclined to act and active. And um, I think there's like such a, dis- a dichotomy, and people put those uh, for some reason on like two ends of the spectrum. But I think I don't think that that's right. I don't think they exist in opposition. I think they kind of help one another. Um, so I'm I'm really glad that that's uh, that by those words that you said. Thank you, Maureen. Well, Johnny, thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us and bringing a little, uh, a little positivity and perspective to, uh, to, to the times right now. Thanks so much. <laughs> thank you, Dan. Thanks. You're Marie. amazing. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You're both amazing too. How, how do you feel, Dan? Honestly, Maureen, that really helped. Like, it's uh, it is it is hard to to remember that like we can go and grab positivity too. Mm-hmm. That was that really helped me cope. Big picture is you know bad things have happened in the past. One of the unusual things about what's happening now is the granular level of information and the weird moment to moment bombardment on the senses. And we have to think about what we take in, what I know, cu- and forgiving yourself from coming and going, um, and uh, that we're going to feel different things about it at different times. You know, last week, some people said, you know, that last week it seemed a little too negative, and um, we, you know, we took that on board, and that's okay. Like that's that's where it was last week. Um, also, I got a comment that apparently I'm supposed to stop talking so much about our sponsor, Blue Apron. So, you know, I'm <laughs> I'm not going to I'm not even though they do sponsor us, I'm not going to. They they don't. They don't. They don't sponsor us. They will, because I think the way sponsorship works is when you talk about something enough and they realize you're good at it, they pay you retroactively. I don't. I I've been in media a long time. I'm mm-hmm. not sure that's actually how it works. You've been in media a long time. Have you ever seen a spokesman like the Mooch? I have not. Maybe it's time to to revise your thoughts. Maybe it's time to think out of the box. Unlike Blue Apron, which is food in a box. There you go. I'm fully in, Maureen. We need to write a treatment for Spicy and the Mooch. It is perfect. Will Ty Cobb be in it? Is he the neighbor? Most definitely, he's the neighbor. Oh, I love him so much. He's the, like, what was the show with the guy that built things? And he had a neighbor who always wore a hat, and I think you really only ever saw the hat. Oh, yeah. The name of it just fl- flung in. It went through my head. And it- anyway, Home Ty Cobb is that neighbor. Uh, there Home you improvement. Go. Ty yeah. Cobb is totally the neighbor. But you see his face because he's riding his penny farthing in his backyard all the time. That he just rides past the window, like exactly. He just he rides past you the just window. See him every now and then, and he gives you just some life advice. Yep. And he, I think he, maybe you see him. You see him go by the window, and you just hear, "Hang in there, Mooch." Yeah, maybe only Mooch sees him. 
No, Ooh. only only spicy season. I like this. I yeah. like this a lot. Yeah. Only spicy season, and it's that it, it's that little chink in Spicy's hardened armor because yeah. he's not sure if he's real or if he's cracking up. Hmm. Oh, yeah, I like this. And occasionally, I think she should appear in one other way, and that is there should be a hole in the ceiling that occasionally appears, and then Ty Cobb's head should come in through the hole upside down. Yep. And deliver just a piece of information while Spicy's in the room with Mooch, and then the head goes back, and then the hole closes up. Yep. I like it. And that's like the one moment that the Mooch has to kind of like try to step up and help. Yeah. Because Spicy's just having a moment and the Mooch needs to like, he knows he's got to do it. Yeah. But he still kind of falls flat when he tries. Yeah. Like Spicy was making, you know, a souffle or something. And then suddenly Ty Cobb's face came into the window and he just drops it all. And the Mooch is like, it's cool. I got it. And then he's like, serves up a bowl of raw eggs. Yeah, he just comes past on the penny fry and goes, my pants are full of rocks and so are yours. And he just keeps going. He talks like that. I like it. This is so good. Oh, I like this. This is a show. You guys, <sighs> make this whatever you need it to be. Oh, Maureen, I want a bunch of Spicy and the Mooch fanfic written by the time we're on next. Oh, for sure. Some scripts. Let's get on this, listeners. Let's yeah. ship these Come two. On. Oh, you think they, I don't know. I think it should be, we don't want them to get together right away. We have to have that tension, the tension. That moonlighting tension. Yeah, or like in Sherlock where you're like, oh, they love each other, but you know, yeah. Yeah, 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 you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about, says Whovians. Oh, it's going to be so good. You guys, we're going to be all right. And you know how I know we're going to be all right? Because Dan, I've met you. And I met, says Whovian, because I, it can't be all bad if all these good people, like, there's too much good out there. You know what I mean? I like this. I like this positive Maureen. Yeah. I'm crab dance. I'm doing my crab dance. I wish you could see it. I wish you guys could see my dance. So good. Oh, I want to give you my wall cheese. I want to give you my wall cheese. I feel fine. I think this vote today is going to be great. Oh, it's definitely going to be great. This is, is going to be a great... No, it's not. I'm sorry. Dan! It's not. It's not. Oh, God. Well, you guys... Oh. You guys know how it turned out. No spoilers, okay? Don't tell past us. No spoilers. Yeah, wait. Don't... If we just stay here in this podcast right now, we'll never know. Do you want to stay here in this moment forever, Dan? Yes. No, you yes, don't. Yes, I do. You don't. Do I click my heels or something? Dan, oh, think about again. Think I'm about in. what you're. Oh God! A bug just fell on my face. That was horrible. All right, I'm back. <laughs> don't punch the ceiling again. There must there are bugs living in the ceiling. I think. You know our horrible. theme music is is performed by Ted Leo and. Ted is great. He's just is a good a, person. He makes great music. He's just a positive, like, oh, we just love you, Ted. Thank you, Ted. And speaking of great people, our logo is designed by Darth, at Darth on Twitter. Really, we say it Darth. every time, but a never-ending source of positivity on the internet. We love you, Darth. We do. You can contact us at Says Who Podcast on Twitter or slash Says Who Podcast on Pinterest and Facebook. You can also send us an email, and we love getting your emails at hey, that is H-E-Y, at SaysWhoPodcast.com. Thank you to our sponsor, Blue Apron, who I won't mention no, this week. No, they're not. They aren't actually. A, they're, not our, they're not our sponsor. It's food in a box. Just go to the grocery store. I'm sure it's fine. You can just buy your own food. It's amazing. Just to get yourself, say you're, say someone's trying to give you dirty slices of, of what of of cheese product, and you're shoving them in a wall. Blue Apron, it's cheese in a wall. They're, they're not. They're not our sponsor. I, uh, August 9th, join us for our next episode. Hey Dan, you know where I'm going to be coming from? 
Where are you going to be coming from? Italy. Whoa. Yeah. What? Yeah. It's going to be like Jamaica all over again. Man. When I was when I was when I was podcasting from a beautiful place, and in that case, I ended up locking myself in a room and screaming about wedge salad. That's true. That is when yes, we I'm... just declared that a wedge salad is not a salad. I'm going to be in a at a writer's retreat with the same people that I was with in Jamaica, and this time I, I it's going to be in in the hills of Italy. That sounds amazing. I, Take me with you. I know, but I, but I will still be just, and I'll I will come from England. That's why I've been because Oscar is English, and we'll be visiting his family, and so I'll be in that normal mindset where I'm seeing America from the outside again. You know who's and, gonna love your puppet, Oscar's family. Oh, for sure. You should get it done before you go. Because they already think that I am all together. So, like, I yeah. think that once they see my puppet, that's going to really, that's going to really cement things. It's going to be Maureen, really you announced good. a new project. We should not sign oh. off before you can talk about your new project. Hey, hey, hey. Thank you. And it's not, uh, so I keep alluding to a thing I've been doing. Uh, and now I can announce it because it came out. Uh, the news came out and that is so my form of resistance that I tried to make a thing is uh, another author named Tim Faderly, uh and I uh, I have collaborated uh, to create a collection called How I Resist and we have some amazing it's essays about activism and hope for the next generation and we just some of our contributors so far Libba Bray, Lauren Duca Jesse Tyler Ferguson, Heb Jamal, Melinda Lowe, Dylan Marin, uh, Javier Munez, Jody Paco, Jason Reynolds, Maya Rupert, Dana Schwartz, Johnny, that you heard from today, Saba Tahir, Jennifer Weiner, and Joss Whedon, and Jacqueline Woodson. I got to the W's and, and almost left Jackie out, but she's pretty much, that's where my heart is, is with Jackie. Wow. She's, I, it's amazing. That and, is awesome. Um, and we are... We are giving the entire advance. Uh, nobody's taking any money, and we're giving it all to the ACLU. Um, so it is. Fantastic. So it is. Uh, so it the it's going to be hopefully a tool, and just straight up money for the ACLU. And um, we're really happy to be working with them, and they are happy, and we're all very happy. And um, it's been a lot of work, but it's been really. In fact, I was reading Johnny's essay, you know, before this morning, along with his book. And uh, yeah, I'm really happy about it. So that's been the thing that, you know, I've been doing in the background. And now I could talk about it. So that is that, amazing and exciting. Out, yeah. Yeah. It's coming out next year. So spring, summer 2018 is the publication season. And so when it comes out, uh, I'll be able to I'll be able to say more about its publication date and pre-ordering and things like that. So each you know each time you buy it, it's a donation to the ACLU. So pretty happy. That is amazing. What a cool project and what a nice way to end on making things and positivity. Maureen, from my basement in Chicago, I'm Dan Sinker. From my crab dance in a closet in New York, I'm Maureen Johnson. This has been says who. I need a puppet. Need a puppet. I'm fully on board in the puppet for Maureen. Hashtag puppet for Maureen. It'll be great because then we can be like, you're the puppet, and you'll be like, yeah, that's right. And it I won't be you puppet. saying it. It'll be the puppet saying it. I am the puppet. I got a head full of hands. Hey guys, blue apron. It's like a it's like a head full of hands. I don't eat food. I don't have a bottom. Ah... <sighs>